if you're noticing you're in a situation where you're unhappy, it's feeling toxic, it's stressful, before you just run away from it, I encourage job seekers not to just run away from their current job, but to say, what are you running toward? Sit mm -hmm. down and pause. I like a quadrant and saying, here's what I need in my next job. Here's what I'm not compromising on. Quadrant two, here's what I want in my job. Here's what would be nice. I'm willing to be flexible. Here's what I don't want. I'd prefer not this, but I'd be flexible. Here's what I can't have. This is a deal breaker. Write all that out. Because a lot of people will go run and say, I need something new. Ooh, Amazon's hiring. Meta's hiring. Google's hiring. But then one of the most important things they tell me is work-life balance. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy, alongside my Venezuelan pal, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? Welcome into a Career Advancement Edition of our show. In this segment, we're going to give you some great advice on how to get your career to the next level and bring some joy and happiness to the workplace. Serge, we all need this, right? I, I seen you like you know, after long days where you seem like a grumpy old man. This is not true. I think it's very true. But would you agree that bringing joy is imperative to yeah, having I mean, a great experience at work? Yes, I think we all need to bring joy. I think we, we take our jobs too seriously, especially in Silicon Valley. I've worked at a lot of big companies and uh, people take things way too seriously. We're not rocket, we're not saving lives. Like we need that joy and I think it's important. Yeah. So we're going to be going over that. We'll also be talking about mental health at work. Also a big topic. We've got a lot of emails from people wanting to get some advice on that. And for today, we have a wonderful resource, Kyle Elliott, happy to announce that he's recently completed his doctorate in education. And what he does is he helps Silicon Valley's top talent get the jobs that they love. And he is a fantastic resource. He's got some great content on LinkedIn. So if you guys want a fantastic person to follow, make sure you search for him. But without further ado, Kyle, welcome to our show. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. I'm so excited to be here and have this important conversation with all of you and your listeners. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and congratulations on the doctorate. That seems yeah, like it was a difficult feat. Yes. Three years full time on top of my business. I wanted a hobby right before the pandemic and I decided to go back to school and it was perfect timing. So it filled a lot of those days when we were locked inside, couldn't go out or do anything. I ended up getting a doctorate. That was my pandemic hobby. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Not only do you have a doctor, but you have almost 300,000 followers. on. How, yes, how oh did that gosh. happen? Yeah. How are you I, so popular? <laughs> I had a good number a few years ago, and then I was named a LinkedIn top voice, the platform's highest honor. And then a bunch just grew from there. I think they put me and the other LinkedIn top voices as people they recommend you follow. And every day, just thousands and thousands came from that. And then it's just grown from there. A lot of people tagging me and recommending, and it just blew up from that honor that I received. That's amazing. So we're going to get into how you find joy at work, go over the mental health topics that a lot of people are struggling with. But before we get into that, really important question. Disneyland. I see that you're a big fan of Disneyland. Like you're like kind of the mascot, like there's Mickey and then there's you. But like, what is the, what is it about Disneyland that just gets you so hyped? 
my partner introduced me to Disneyland, so he's an even bigger fan. So imagine me times 10. That's how big of a fan he is. Every weekend, I'm like, what do you want to do? And he says Disneyland. So now I say, what do you want to do besides Disneyland? And that's how we go around planning. But he introduced me to Disneyland, and it's truly the happiest place on earth. And as a career coach, I love going there and looking at how these tens of thousands of employees bring together this magic and it's seamless. So I've yet to mm. have anything less than a perfect experience at Disneyland. We took my parents in November, for example, and my dad lost his magic band watch. So we called the front desk and before we were even to the front desk, they had a new one already set up for him. His last one canceled. They gave it to him for free and it's just magical every time you go there and it's just so much fun and so exciting, Disneyland. That's great. Uh, do you plan on having kids? No, we don't. But we're thinking of having our wedding at Disneyland. My partner is like, I want a 300 yeah, you guys person wedding true at Disneyland. Fans. Well, I was going to say, it's not always magic when I have my kids with me at Disneyland. <laughs> that's not what a lot magical. of people say. They're like, that's why it's magical. You don't take kids or your nieces and nephews there. Um, but we took his two-year-old niece there recently, and it was fun. I think she was at that age where she could just relax and watch stuff and wasn't worried about running around crazy and all of that. They do a really good job of having great customer service. They do that. And Serge, I remember you, back in the day, you used to be an employee of Bonfante Gardens, but I don't think you were bringing as much joy and happiness when you were in your role. <laughs> I was, I was actually, I was bringing joy every day, controlling the Ferris wheel. And Bonfante Gardens is a local theme park, Kyle, by the way, in Gilroy, okay. California. It's well, I'm in, little yeah, place. I've heard of yeah. it. I used oh, to yeah, live okay. in the Bay Area. I worked there when I was like 16. It was amazing. Well, Kyle, going back onto the original topic, finding joy in the workplace. That is something that a lot of people are struggling with right now. You have people that are just in bad environments and they just feel like they're going through burnout. Also, it's a more virtual environment for a lot of people and maybe they don't want to go into work, but they felt like they they need that personal connection. And so they're in this rock and a hard place on, do I go back into the work? place and spend all that money on gas. But you know, just finding joy at work seems to be something that's always been challenging, but probably got maybe a little bit more challenging since COVID. What's your thoughts on that? Yes, it's gotten a lot more challenging right now with COVID, with people working remotely, with the uncertainty of not knowing whether people have to come into work. And every week or two, people being told, oh, you might be coming into work, you might not. Then there's rising inflation, so everything's more expensive and people aren't getting raises or it's a 3% raise when everything's gone up 10 or 20 or 30%. So it's a really challenging time right now. And I've had more people than literally ever before. I've been doing this for almost 10 years and more people now, especially in the last few months than ever before, reaching out saying, I'm not happy at work, Kyle. Hmm. Now what? And people don't want just jobs they tolerate, I'm finding. People used to be okay with that. Now people really want jobs they love and that bring them satisfaction and meaning and purpose to their lives. Kyle, what are some of the issues that you're seeing from your clients? They might say, okay, I'm not happy. Is there anything specific that you see that's being raised right now in the workplace from people? Like what's causing well, them to reach out yeah. to you? A lack of uncertainty. That's one of the biggest things. And that's leading to a toxic culture. So they want to know, okay, am I coming back in the office in a month or a year or never? So do I have to keep living in this expensive Bay Area or Los Angeles or Seattle? Or can I go move to Colorado or North Carolina? And people want to know what's happening. And there's just this lack of uncertainty, lack of communication. People want to know, am I going to be laid off? There's all these tech layoffs and layoffs beyond tech happening. 
And there's just a lack of uncertainty and people are scared and people are going back to their survival instincts and saying, I need to protect myself. Let me get ahead of this. Yeah, that's interesting. You also mentioned the 3% normal pay raise that people are accustomed to. And Lee will knows a lot about this with being in finance, but the inflation is what I think eight or 9%. That's the other thing I think even I'm comfortable where I'm at right now, but you know, inflation's, if I only get a 4% raise this year, like I'm losing money. So I think I'm the only one who's saying this, but I, I think that's really interesting. And I think companies need to, I don't know if companies are aware of it or they're afraid to talk about it. I don't know. I think they're afraid to talk about it and it's scary for them to think, oh my gosh, we have to give our whole workforce a 10 or 20% raise to keep them. But the flip side is what's the cost of having to hire all new employees at that higher mark anyways. So either way, you're going to have to address it. And I think it goes back to the uncertainty because I work primarily with executives and they've never been through a pandemic like this before. They've never dealt with this. And they're saying, Kyle, I've never dealt with this either. I'm feeling just as uncertain as these employees and they have no one to turn to either. So it's a lot of newness for people. And as humans, we just don't like newness. So it's scary and anxiety provoking. So Kyle, going back to the topic of trying to find joy, if we have someone that they're in this rut and they're thinking, man, I hate my job. And that's the constant thought that's going through there. Surge has this really great principle of 80-20. As long as you like like 80% of what you do, 20% is going to be bullshit and make you upset. It's kind of normal. But let's just say we're going into this dark territory where it's like everything feels like every day feels like anxiety, stressed out, and you just don't like your job. What's the first step? To fixing the situation? I love Surge's 80-20 rule. It's more optimistic than mine. I say it's time to quit when you have more bad days than good days. It's kind of like my childhood dog. It was time to put him down when he had more bad days than good days. Yeah. I like the 80-20. I think that's something good to shoot for. If it dips below 80, okay, maybe it's time to start looking. But if you're noticing you're in a situation where you're unhappy, it's feeling toxic, it's stressful, before you just run away from it, I encourage job seekers not to just run away from their current job, but to say, what are you running toward? Sit down and pause. I like a quadrant and saying, here's what I need in my next job. Here's what I'm not compromising on. Quadrant two, here's what I want in my job. Here's what would be nice if I'm willing to be flexible. Here's what I don't want. I'd prefer not this, but I'd be flexible. Here's what I can't have. This is a deal breaker. Write all that out because a lot of people will go run and say, I need something new. Oh, Amazon's hiring, Meta's hiring, Google's hiring. But then one of the most important things they tell me is work-life balance and those may not be in alignment. <laughs> so yeah. I think of it like a Sunday drive. We don't want to just go on a Sunday drive and say, oh, what's out there? Gas is expensive, especially here in California. It was like $7.50 the other day in LA. Instead, what we want to do is get really clear and say, where are we driving to? So I want you to sit in the car and get clear before you just start driving everywhere and see what's out there. Know what you're running towards instead of just running away from that toxic job you're at. You want to go to the Matterhorn. You need a map. You don't want to just wander around Disneyland trying to find the Matterhorn. Exactly. And these other things may be better, but you need to have a direction and know where you're going and say, okay, if it's close by, okay, I can just walk there. It's not going to be very difficult. But if you decide Disney World's your destination and you're at Disneyland right now, it's going to be a lot different journey and you're going to have to set up yourself differently. Yeah, the other thing you said that stood out was uh, kind of knowing where you're going, right? If you say work-life balance is important, you need to go talk to somebody at Amazon. I've worked at Amazon. 
They don't mm-hmm. care about work-life balance. Nope. So you need to be very, you need to, I don't know if you coach your clients to like maybe meet with some people that work so they can really understand what's really like, maybe work-life balance isn't important. Maybe they just want to grind and take that next level. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that's really interesting is like understanding why you're leaving. I love that. And then understanding where you're going. Would you say it's more toxic cultures or is it someone wanting to get more pay? With, more of the culture. Okay. With my clients, most of my clients are senior managers and executives. So they're making enough to survive, even thrive. And it's more the cultures that they're leaving. Yet they see the shiny logo. They see Amazon. They see LinkedIn. I know you're there. Google, all these companies. And that's what they get really excited about. And then they forget why they're leaving. And that's why I like getting really clear on the GPS directions where you're going. And like you, I recommend them talk to people and especially people like them. So if you're a mom, for example, I work with a lot of moms. I say, go contact a mom at Amazon and say, what's it like being a mom at Amazon? Being a working mom who's a senior manager or director of VP. And then go and do that at different companies to really get some insights about what it's like working there. What's also important is really to figure out why you're leaving again and then having questions. So I encourage people to turn this list and this toxic culture into questions. So if there's red flags you want to avoid, you can also create questions from that and ask those when networking with people and when interviewing. So if work-life balance is the issue, one of my clients, a question she created that I loved was just asking people, oh, tell me about the last vacation you went on. And on the surface, it seems like just a fun question, but underneath she can see, okay, if they can't even think about the last vacation they went on, a lot of people at Amazon, (laughs) maybe this isn't (laughs) the right culture for me if I have children. And I want to take them to Disneyland or Disney World every six months or every year. I was thinking like, are there ever moments with clients where you get to a point where you've done all this and you realize maybe they can make that environment work? Are there those moments where like you try to maybe leaving isn't the right option? Yes. So when you map this out, what you need, want, don't want, can't have, I like comparing that to the current job and saying, is it just your manager that's the issue? Is it a certain colleague? Is it the department of a client now? And it's really just her boss. And if we switch the boss, either her moving, the boss moving, make some sort of adjustment, that can make all the difference. Another client, they just want to work remote. So they're trying to navigate that internally and see if an exemption can be made for them to be able to work remote, even though it's an in-office culture. If he's able to work remote, that's going to solve his issue. Mm -hmm. And that's really his only issue with the organization. So once you get clear you can figure out, oh, maybe I'm actually at the right destination. I just need to change how I'm sitting here. So Kyle, what are some of the most common reasons for unhappiness? I know we touched on a couple, but could you give us like your top three that these are the ones that bring people down? I would say the toxic culture is one overall, just one where people are not kept in the loop and feel like they're just waiting and they're just not knowing what's going to go on. Okay, are we going to be brought into the office? Am I going to be able to work remote? Is my job going to be gone tomorrow? Another one is people not being given enough responsibility. While a lot of the people I work with say they work a lot, they're not getting enough responsibility and scope and oversight that they want. So they're given all this responsibility, but they're not given additional team members or additional resources or able to communicate with the executive team. So they're not given that oversight and responsibility they want. And then third, something that does come up is salary. And it's not that they're unhappy with where their salary started. They're typically more than happy with that. But if they've been there three, five, 10 years, 
their salary isn't grown at the pace as if they had jumped jobs every two or three years and their salary just isn't keeping up. So the one issue that we've seen is the manager issue. That's That seems to be like a tough mm-hmm. one. Doesn't have a real easy fix. Because even I've asked Serge about this and he's just kind of SOL in a lot of ways. There's ways around it, but it's it's up. It's an uphill battle. Do you have any tips for the manager sucks? <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, what's your opinion on that? <laughs> that comes up a lot with my clients. And oftentimes when they come to me and my coaching sessions with them, I say, is your manager on the screen with us? And the answer is always no. A manager's yet to show up in a coaching call. And I say, <laughs> what's your role in this? And how are you contributing to this equation? There's you and your manager, and you're some part of this. Yes, your manager may be an a-hole. They may be unkind. They may be a micromanager, or they may be absent and away from Slack for four or five hours a day. But what's your role in this? And getting clear on that can be helpful. Are you taking things too sensitively? Are you not showing up to the conversation and giving them the honest feedback that they need to hear? Um, Are you being passive aggressive? Are you just being too aggressive? What's your role in this? And that can be really helpful to identify. And the one rule I have when I work with clients, a single rule is they're not allowed to say, I don't know. (laughs) So I'll have clients come to me and I'll say, okay, what can you do differently? And they say, I don't know. I've done everything I can. I say, nope, we're going to sit here. And I'm an introvert, so I'm good at silence. So I will out silence you and we'll sit here until you come up with an answer of what you can be doing differently or at least try. Because oftentimes people will place the blame on the manager and then that alleviates them from doing anything differently or trying something a little unique to try and address it with their manager. That's a really good point. I think that's where I've gotten farther along in my career is understanding where I've messed up. It takes time to get there though. Like it's tough, but then once you figure that out, oh, I could have done this differently. My bigger point to Lee early in earlier conversations we've had is once you've lost their trust though, I do think it's very difficult to change their perception of you. I don't know if you agree with that, Kyle, but I think like it's tough once you've lost the trust, like you can make the relationship better. But I think what I've seen is once the trust is gone, then it's by trust. I just mean like their perception, essentially. Yes. That's when it's maybe try to find a different team within the company or try to find. I think it's very tough to turn that around and it's possible, but difficult. Yes. And I find a lot of employees and job seekers are afraid to just have direct, honest conversations. I'm looking at a post-it here on my desk. It's the single post I have on my desk and it's from my own coach and mentor that says, why don't you answer honestly? And the bigger theme from that is being honest and direct with your manager. And people are afraid to have those conversations. So sometimes they may think their boss doesn't trust them, but have you actually asked them Hmm. or confronted them and said, hey, I feel like there's a lack of trust between us, or maybe you don't trust me. Can you tell me more about that? What's going on here? How can I earn your trust? And actually confronting them and having an honest conversation can be really powerful, yet people are afraid to have those open and honest conversations. Or if you're feeling like you don't have enough responsibility at work, I've asked my clients, oh, how did it go when you confronted your manager about your lack of responsibility? And then they say, oh, I've never done it. I just expected to get more responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) It does does not just happen. It's really to have those conversations and be direct and ask for what you want at work. So we got the right job. We're in the right environment. We got a great manager. What else do we do on top of that to keep 
bringing that joy and finding our fabulous. What I find is a lot of people tend to blend in both in the job search and once they're in their company and they say, Kyle, I'm not getting that promotion. I'm not getting that raise. I'm not getting that attention. And I find a lot of clients, when we think of a bell curve, a lot of people fall in the middle. That's how a bell curve works. And if you want to stand out at work, if you want to find that joy and happiness, if you want to keep moving up in your career, I find that you want to go further along on that right side of the bell curve and figure out what sets you apart from other people. And it's really hard to identify on your own, at least for most people, here's what sets me apart from others and pushes me out to the right on that bell curve. And I have a few strategies for that. One is to simply ask people <laughs> to do some crowdsourcing. So for everyone listening, I would text three people and ask, what makes me fabulous? Mm -hmm. And just crowdsource and get some ideas. And some of their responses may be pretty obvious, but oftentimes when clients do that, they're like, oh my gosh, three different people mentioned this about me. And I was so surprised. I've never thought I'm funny, but three different people said I'm funny. And that's why we get along so well at work. Or another client, they're like, oh my God, every single person mentioned how they trust me. And my trust is the reason I'm so successful in sales. So figuring out what sets you apart from your colleagues and then bringing that to work and communicating it to your manager, to your colleagues, to clients when you have your performance review. I like that last piece is what I hear from you is like really creating your narrative and in, in story. Otherwise, I think people will have their own story about you. Right? Exactly. If you don't tell your story. Someone is telling Great your story. Point. I don't know if you've seen that come up, Kyle, but I, I know I've seen it in Silicon Valley and me being an introvert, I've had my story told before and it's taken me a long time to go, get out there and start building my brand and perception and stuff within companies. Exactly. And it can be scary. I'm a fellow introvert. So that's why I like doing some of that crowdsourcing to see how other people see you and then see if it matches your interest perception and then ask yourself every day what's one little thing I can do today to help share my fabulousness at work or leverage or harness the power of that fabulousness and share it and then if you're looking for a job the same thing if what sets you apart from other people maybe as an introvert is your ability to ask questions or think analytically or approach something from a lot of different angles make sure you share that on your resume on your LinkedIn when you're networking when you're interviewing and really throw a spotlight on that. So when it comes to finding what people really like about you and then sharing that, I love this this mindset. When you're doing this, where you're sharing the best parts about you, are you going to do this with regular employees? Do you feel this needs to be showed with the higher ups where it can make people more nervous to be, maybe they're funny, right? But maybe they're super scared every time their executive comes by. They're like, I don't want to be joking around with this person. This scares the crap out of me. But you know, when it comes to showing the best qualities about you, is there a rule of just, you have to show it to everybody? I would reflect some of the best moments in your life. So when have you had great moments in your life? And then ask yourself what all those have in common. So for me, it was moving to Santa Barbara. It was proposing to my partner. It was pursuing my doctorate. All these best moments and all of them have in common, at least one thing, which is taking big risks. So at work, I imagine if you take big risks, like this humor, like sharing your fabulousness, you're also going to have more great moments. So it might seem scary to take these risks at work, like sharing your fabulousness or your humor with an executive. But on the other side of these big risks are more great moments. So I'd be curious what would happen if you took more risks at work. 
you would likely have also more great moments at work as well. That's gold. Good job, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I like that. What's the worst that can happen, right? The joke doesn't land. But yeah, I love that. But if that's what makes you fabulous, why not share that and highlight it? And that's why it's your fabulousness is that's what you're known for. And all these people recognize that you're not trying to fake humor, but that's what makes you fabulous. Why not share it? And I love the point of this, all the best moments in your life were we're taking that extra risk. I think we forget that. I think your situation is common to everybody, but we tend to get set in our ways and we tend to let fear take over. And then we don't want to take risks the fear that comes with knowing that you're taking risks, but you brought up a great point. Like some of the best times in our lives, the best opportunities is because we took risks. And yeah. And sharing your fabulousness is a risk to showing up and saying, this is who I am and what makes me great. And sharing that's really scary for me. Something that makes me fabulous is my ability to coach people and ask powerful questions. And sometimes it's scary asking those really difficult, challenging questions. And then on the other side of that are these amazing, great outcomes. So for me, I even have that happen. I'm with executives. I ask these really tough, challenging questions. And then on the other side of that are these amazing outcomes. So if you're struggling, oh, do I share this fabulousness? Do I highlight this? Ask yourself again, great moments. They have big risks and just keep leaning into that. So I have a question. You've worked with executives that looks like Meta, Netflix, VaynerMedia, people that may have worked with Nancy Pelosi. Are there any like stories or something interesting? Like what's the most interesting thing you've worked on or without naming (laughs) names? I know that's probably Mm -hmm. confidential, but is there something that you can just like a nugget of an interesting story you could share with us with all these great people? Like seeing all these companies, I'm seeing like Usher, Machine Gun Kelly, that's debatable and great. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jamie Fox, lots of big names. Yeah. What's, up, what's a cool story you could share that, without naming names? What's most exciting for me is the ripple impact of my work. My master's was in nonprofit management, my doctorate in education. I love that ripple impact. So my favorite clients, I don't love tech. It's not like I was drawn to tech. I wanted to do it. Most of my clients are word of mouth. So it happened by accident. But I love when my clients work at tech or some other company with a huge impact of a billion or two billion users. Mm -hmm. And I've had some clients work on diversity campaigns in tech, where it was literally diversity for the entire tech organization or the social media giants. And that was really cool, knowing that my client worked on these campaigns that literally impacted every user of these organizations. And I could never do that. That's not my zone of genius, tech or engineering or A client recently taught me literally how to integrate Zoom in my calendar. (laughs) I was sending separate invites every time. But when they do that work and to know a billion or two billion people are learning about diversity because of my clients and inclusion and equity, that's some of the most exciting stuff for me and knowing I'm having that impact on the world through my clients. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And I think the other thing that comes to mind is that these executives are human too. I've had a lot of clients. One client right now is prepping to interview with Mark Zuckerberg. And these clients are also nervous. So these big wig executives that do press conferences, that present to the board, who are really impressive, they're also nervous. And they also ask for help with their job searches. So if you're struggling or nervous, know that it's okay. And you're not alone. Even these big wigs making multi-seven figure salaries, they struggle as well. And that's normal. Just thinking like these people who are that high up, they're just human. You would think they're just going to these interviews and just be super confident, but 
they're just as anxious as we are. Yes, exactly. And sometimes even more because they've had so much experience. There's this facade that they should be perfect and have it all down. Well, it's actually quite the opposite. There aren't resources out there saying, here's how to prep for an interview with a Fortune 10 CEO. There aren't resources out there <laughs> for that. So they're on their own a lot and it's lonely and it's okay to feel that way and to ask for help. That's great. Kyle, mental health in the workplace yeah. is a big topic. I think it's only become more of an issue since COVID started. But what tips do you have for our listeners in terms of how they can prioritize and keep mental health top of mind and maybe help themselves fix issues that they might be dealing with? The first thought that comes to mind is not going at it alone. So when you're struggling with your mental health, it can be really lonely. So finding if you feel comfortable, some sort of support system. So at your organization, it could be leveraging your employee assistance program. So a lot of my clients forget that they have an employee assistance program, but I'll often cover literally free therapy, free counseling and provide you referrals and resources. Or if you feel comfortable talking to your manager about what's going on, I never encourage people to self-disclose before they're ready. And there's that psychological safety at work. But if you feel comfortable talking to your manager and saying, this is what I need to help my mental health and be able to cope with the stress and anxiety of work, a pandemic, recent mass shootings, the economic downturn, you know, small part monkey pox, all these things going on. And then also asking for help and your support system to help hold you accountable. So friends that you trust, family members, a therapist, a coach, having that support system around you can be really helpful. I live with multiple mental health conditions and being able to have these different people I can count on has been so valuable for me as I navigate everything that goes on in the world, not just right now, but there's always something going on and it's helpful to have these people you can count on and confide in. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. The support system's huge. Big proponent of therapy, I think, especially in these, I know you work with a lot of tech companies in Silicon Valley, but there's a lot of pressure on people who work at these big companies, like performance reviews. And I've seen people really get stressed out. I try, I've mm -hmm. learned how to deal with it over time, but do you have any specific, like outside of the support system, like there's a lot of people who really struggle with this on a, these annual performance reviews. Are there anything else that people can do to prepare themselves for these moments and during the year where they're just completely stressed out? What I would suggest is looking at the bigger picture and seeing how you can balance it. So let's say you have these really stressful components at work, such as these performance reviews, or you're presenting to the board, or you have a big presentation to your boss. Look and see if there's anything else you can do to balance it out. So is it, for me, a Disneyland trip? Or even just one of my clients making sure she left her high rise every day. She was in a high rise and she's like, I don't leave all day, Kyle. I'm in here all day. And for her, our goal was literally leave your building every day. And sometimes she's it. like, Kyle, I literally just ran downstairs and stepped <laughs> outside so I could tell you I did it. But most days she would go on a walk during lunch, call her mom. So finding some balance and joy and happiness outside of work can be really helpful. And that balance looks different. It may be 20 minutes on your Peloton in the morning. It may be a movie with your partner at night. But having some balance can be helpful. And when you're in those times that aren't super stressful, setting up that schedule and routine so that when you get to those stressful periods, you already have some routine there that'll keep you 
moving and having that momentum go. That's a good one. Love that. Especially in this working from home environment. For me, just getting outside, getting some sun. Otherwise, I'm just like in this dungeon all day. That kind of brings me out of my funk sometimes. Exactly. And I like scheduling it. A lot of my clients, especially in Silicon Valley, they're meeting heavy. They have eight or 10 or 12 meetings a day. So scheduling some meetings with yourself of working out, of going outside, of having a lunch break, and then also having some accountability partners. Some of my clients will find a neighbor and go walking or call their mom during a break. Having some people who hold you accountable and you're doing the meetings with or these self-care activities with can be really powerful as well. For me, I'm a recovering workaholic and I run my own business. So it's easy to just work all the time. So my goal is by the time my partner gets home, I want to be done working. So to have these systems in place that work for you can be really powerful. Lee, I think you were a workaholic at one point. Yeah, I'm managing it a little bit (laughs) better now. In terms of like burnout, uh, work is always stressful by nature. But when do you think you're teetering upon this point where you're getting into a dangerous place from burnout versus something where you can suck it up and handle it? Is there a way that you would tell your clients to think about that and be able to gauge their situation? There's two things that come to mind. One, like we talked about earlier, are you having more bad days than good days? It's normal to have a bad day or two, but if you're having consistently bad days and they outweigh the good days, that's one sign. The other one is, are you just consistently thinking about quitting? It's normal to have a day where you're like, I just hate this. I'm done with this company. But if you're consistently quitting about thinking, I would look at that and say, why is this? Why do I keep thinking about quitting Mm -hmm. in other jobs? And then write down what that's about. So let's say you're envious of someone. You're like, oh, I'm so excited this person works at LinkedIn. Or, oh, I'm so excited that person works at home. Write it down. What's that about? What is that jealousy or envy about? Write out what you admire. And then look at that list and see if you can integrate any of that into your current job. Sometimes people think they have to go pursue a new job to achieve these things when really Some of that might be able to happen at your current job. Not all of it, but some of it. And part of that is just negotiating with yourself or negotiating with your manager. So let's go on to your company. I believe it's Caffeinated Kyle, right? So I love the name because now I have this vision of you drinking espresso shots on the Dumbo ride. (laughs) Pounding espresso shots while you're going round and round on Dumbo. Tell us about the name. And tell us about what your company specializes in. Yeah, so the name came up when I was creating it. I was a few years in. My business actually started as a side hustle. I literally charged $5 for resume reviews, LinkedIn profile summaries on Fiverr, an online marketplace. And then it kept growing and growing. And I was like, I need some sort of company name. And one of my staff members at the time, they're like, oh, you like coffee, maybe something coffee. And we kept noodling and noodling and finally came up with caffeinated Kyle because I love coffee. I caffeinate people's careers. I encourage people to network and meet for coffees. This was pre-COVID where people actually networked in person. So then Caffeinated Kyle came up and now I help primarily people in Silicon Valley and tech find jobs they love. And then once they're in them, succeed in those jobs. Once they sign up, they kind of have you, like they get the job, but then they can still leverage your services to like rise in that job? Is that what I, am I hearing that correct? Yeah. So it depends on the client. Some people hire me and they say, Kyle, I want to work at LinkedIn as a program manager. Help me land that. And that's all they want. Other people, they're like, Kyle, I'm 40. I have all this experience. I have no idea what I want to do. Help me figure out what I should do. Some people, they're like, I want the whole shebang. Help me land a job. And once I'm in there, hit the ground running. 
And then some clients, it's just executive coaching. Once they're in there, they just say, I want to take it to the next level. So really anything around finding a job and succeeding in it, that's my zone of genius, just developing and growing in your career. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Your inspiration. I love all the work you're doing. But before we go, I'm going to ask you a very important question. Which is your favorite Disney character and why? Oh my gosh. I love Stitch. He's absolutely my favorite because he's just unique in himself and he's just out there and I absolutely love him so much. To see this Lilo and Stitch, obviously, which one has got the big ears? Okay, yeah. Yes, he's a little blue. He's like an experiment. So he's kind of like a koala bear thing. Oh, yes. I know which one. I was like, who's Stitch? Yes. It's the cracked out koala bear. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. I know which one you're talking about. Yes. I like that. He doesn't get enough love. That's a good thing. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. Yeah, that's a good one. I think he's making a comeback. All of a sudden, the last year, they've had a ton of merchandise at Disney about him. So I feel like he's getting this comeback all of a sudden. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kyle. We've loved having you. People, reach out to Kyle. He's a great resource. And check out his LinkedIn. Check out his fancy website. Thank you so much, buddy. We loved having you on today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities American Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is an investment advisor representative with Securities American Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities American Advisors, and Securities American Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities American Advisors or Securities American Incorporated. Securities American Advisors, Securities American Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc., The opinions of attorney Matt McGorry do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.